and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, it's Brother Frank back with another exciting episode of The Remnant Call. Glad to have you all here with us today. And, uh, you know, I just got back, went on a field trip with my daughter's class. She goes to a, a Christian school, and uh, I, I thank the Lord for this school. One of the few schools out there, I believe, really actually teaches the truth, teaches these children Um how to follow Jesus teaches the boys how to actually be men. And, um, but we went up there and went through, took a several hour trip today and went up to the white house and, uh, and through, uh, the Capitol. And, um, you know, you look at, see what this nation was originally founded upon and the principles that they did even mention in the tour. And, and, um, and you look today where we've come to and, and it seems like as amazing as those things were, they're such a, a far-fated memory and a very sad, sad thought to think this once great nation who claimed themselves to be under God. I don't care what you want to say. Um, this nation, I believe, with all my heart, was raised up by the Lord, even with our mistakes and our failures, um, for a very specific reason, to help take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But unfortunately, we have changed, and it's, it's very confusing, confusing is what's going on right now. And so as I heard those wonderful words and the propaganda and all those things that were probably once true at one time, now be so far away, it, it reminds me that this earth is not my home. And I am looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And uh, this great nation that once stood will suffer judgment one day. Because you can only commit so much abortion, so much homosexuality, so much grievous sins before the Lord will pour out his judgment upon this nation. Folks, it is coming. If the blood of Abel cried out to the Lord, what do you think the blood of all the 60 million known legal abortions that have been committed in this country must be screaming? It's a sad day. Well, folks, tonight I have a special guest back on, Brother Benjamin Baruch. The City of Confusion is the, tonight, the title of tonight's message. And I'm going to bring Brother Benjamin on tonight to share with us what the Lord has put on his heart. So, Brother Benjamin, are you here with us? Hey, Frank, how are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I had a great time today with the daughter, but in but in many ways, brother, it was depressing knowing that sadly that's not what's going on anymore. You hear the great videos, but the truth is they show you the tours. It's not the nation we're in anymore, brother. It's a different world now. And so kind of had a sad heart when I pondered it. 
Yeah, it's. You were actually in Washington. Yeah, I was up toward went through the White House today and the Capitol and everything and um, learn about our con- you know the Constitution. It was you know it was amazing. Our kids actually knew you know the presidents of the United States and actually knew history. It was a, a little breath of fresh air from from other uh, schools, but um, it was just sad, man. It was really sad to see how far we've fallen. Yeah, we're we're like the girdle that Jeremiah buried by the rivers of Babylon. Yeah. And then the Lord told him, go back and dig it up, and it was just utterly ruined. Mm. And it was without repair, beyond repair. Yeah. The city of confusion is, yeah, I just, I think it's appropriate. It's amazing that you were just there in the capital of confusion. I was, yeah. And and we're back then, Brother Benjamin, there are stories, and you can even still see it on some of the pictures, um, of the early Congresses would get into uh, just, you know, heated debates. They couldn't bring it to a close. They actually, story, they shut down the actual sessions, brought in preachers, and preached the gospel till they got them back on track. If that would only happen right. again today. Well, let's leave the wished for world behind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And let's we're gonna get into reality of today. Yeah. And I and grieve then. as well as you know, all all of the people of Zion, all the people of the Lord who love the truth. We all grieve and we we mourn and our you know, our our souls are vexed by what we see and hear daily coming out of the cities of confusion. And, you know, I'm just, we're going to get into some scripture tonight, but uh, we can we can talk for a moment about what's going on in this once great nation. But Frank, yeah. I, I did a search on the internet for uh, the term city of confusion, mm-hmm. and I found a book written in the 1600s by a, an author named Isaac Pennington, who I've never heard before. And the title of the book is Babylon the Great Described, The City of Confusion. And I haven't really gotten into the book because I literally just found it online, but, but the, the preface or the, the summary of the work reads, In every part where the Antichrist reigns, so too confusion. Where there is no order or unity of the Spirit, but striving to set up an order according to the wisdom of the flesh. And in all of the lands, the sin has brought contamination and judgment. And some will further, you know, query to discover her, but yet her inward parts are open to the eye of the Lord, upon which shall come a consumption and an ultimate overthrow and exhortation to the powers of the earth. (laughs) And here was a man that was in the 1600s crying out against Babylon, speaking out against the confusion that would one day come in the lands where the power and the spirit of the Antichrist would reign. Mm. And, you know, if you could go back in time, if we could talk to Isaac Pennington, and we could talk to Isaac Newton, who who followed shortly thereafter, 
and would explain to them that in the land of end-time Babylon, the men would no longer believe they were men, and women would no longer believe they were women, and they would think they could change their sexual gender. And that there would be more than 17 different gender identities created. And that they would teach these confusions and perversions to the youngest of the children in the schools dedicated to the wisdom of the beast. And that they would inject the people with known poisons in a purported effort to improve their health. In so doing, a, a generation would be destroyed by autism and depression and severe anxieties and autoimmune disorders and every form of malady known to man, and that the food would become poisoned, and that the air would be poisoned, and the water would be poisoned, with chemicals designed to bring only death, and everybody would be like, I mean, they, they would not believe what is happening in the world in which we today find ourselves. Who could imagine? There's a, a documentary that's on... You can find it on the Internet. I think it might be on Netflix. It's called The Devil We Know. And it's about the manufacture of Teflon by DuPont and, and in association with 3M. They managed to produce a, a chemical that is now ubiquitous to humanity. This poison is in every human being on the planet. And it's just one of hundreds of millions of poisons. You know, truly, everywhere the spirit of Antichrist reigns, and everywhere this, this pale of darkness has come, it's nothing but disorder and chaos, death and destruction. And, and even now, they celebrate the death of the innocent. You know, 70, 80 years ago, the National Socialist Party really was conspiring to kill the Jews. And today, they've started with the innocent. And it's, it's just, it's vexation of soul to even consider what is happening in our land. The city of confusion, Isaiah 24, verse 10. The city of confusion is broken down. It's been cast down to the ground. And that without remedy, that word for broken is shabar. It literally means to be crushed and destroyed and to be smashed into a thousand pieces. And Frank, while I was getting ready for the program tonight, I was in my prayer loft, and, and I was you know, listening to some awesome worship music. Uh, an Israeli artist named Joshua Aaron just recently was introduced to his work, got a couple of his DVDs. He lives in the Sea of Galilee in Israel. He's an Israeli, and he's a believer, and these worship songs, they are anointed, brother. And I was just rejoicing as the power of God was, was coming upon my prayer loft and upon the entire building. And then, Frank, I heard the loudest crash. I didn't know if an airplane had just crashed into the, you know, the front um, part of my property or if the roof had caved in, on, literally collapsed, I mean, it scared me. 
And it, literally, as I was reading this word, the city of confusion is broken down to be crushed, to be hurled to the earth. I heard the hugest crash. I literally jumped up to see, and I ran outside, and a couple feet of snow that had been on the roof had just literally let go. And there now was maybe a five- or six-foot-high pile of snow. The crash was literally the snow being thrown to the ground. Just like this snow, the city of confusion is about to be thrown down, brother. But I want to get into some scripture tonight. Brother, let's and, open with some uh, prayer. I, I kind of for, I forgot. Amen, let's open brother. with a word of prayer. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you want to pray? Sure, sure. Lord, um, today uh, there was just one thing on my heart when I when our congressman came down to meet us today and talk with the kids. Um, I just, Lord, you, I told him, I said, please stop this madness of abortion that's going on with Virginia. And Lord, it just, we just need you, Lord, to, to stop this death machine that's going on right now of this utter slang. The blood runs so thick. And Lord, I pray you could intervene. I know this country is going downhill, but Lord, please intervene with the babies. Lord, I thank you tonight that you have brought Brother Benjamin on to remind us about not only the confusion, but the clarity that is in knowing who Jesus Christ is. And so I ask that you would anoint his words tonight, Lord, that as you crashed down that snow today, Lord, on the roof, as he heard that while he was reading your word, Lord, that that would be a wake-up to us to understand that the times are coming, the crash is coming, and we need to be aware. Lord, bless tonight in the powerful name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah, brother. Hallelujah. The other night, Frank, I was, um, I had awoken in the early morning, and um, I have a propane fireplace, and it was on, you know, so there was a little bit of light in the room from the fire, and I heard clearly, a global reset is coming soon. As soon as I heard the, the last word, soon, the fire went out, the light went out, and it was just utter darkness. A global wow. reset. Something wow. is coming, and it's going to be as radical as going from light to night. And uh, another um, another person had similar had a similar word um, where they basically, you know, that some dramatic change um, is about to occur on the earth. You know, and we shall see what what a global reset looks like, and we shall see what what the word soon means. But yeah, let's get into let's get into some scripture. And you know, I was just I was in the Word the other day and reading in Isaiah, and I had begun in chapter twenty four, and I read that verse ten: "The city of confusion is broken down, and every house is shut in, that no man may enter." You know, in the in the chaos and the confusion the desolation that's coming, it's going to be locked down. But you know, and, I, and that word in this verse is tohu, for confusion. And you know, that's the tohu and bohu of, 
of the creation after the fall. And it means a desolation. It means something that's just been destroyed. It's worthless. The city of Babylon is, is ruined spiritually. It's worthless for any good thing. And it means in, in vanity, confusion, without any form, without any order. There's nothing right. There's nothing true. There's nothing good left of it. It's a thing of vanity. It's wasted. It's destroyed. And it will soon be literally destroyed right before our eyes. And as I read that that part of chapter 24, I, I really felt impressed to go back and, and read in context the witness from prophecies of Isaiah. And, and to, to that end, um, I want to read some of Isaiah for our audience tonight. Because there's a continuum in the Word. There's a continuum in the words of Isaiah that it's really more powerful to hear the message in its entirety. And I'll leave further study to the listeners, but I'm going to begin in Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to start with verse 11. For the Lord has spoken to me with a powerful hand, and he instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this nation, do not walk in the way of this people. Do not speak as they speak. Neither fear what they fear, nor be afraid. You are to sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let the Lord be your fear. Let him become your dread. And then he shall be as a sanctuary for his remnant, but as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense for both houses of Israel and for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many of them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. You know, so too today, many have stumbled and fallen. The vast majority have stumbled and fallen. And some have been broken and are brokenhearted. Others are snared and in need of deliverance. And others still have been taken. And they're not coming back. They've been taken into the permanent captivity of the enemy. And this is the time in which we live. Isaiah 9, verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff off our shoulders, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. God is about to break the oppression, the spiritual oppression, the oppression of sin, the oppression of all of the evil, the covering of darkness that has descended on this land. People come back here and, they, and they, they comment on how difficult it is to pray, how difficult it is to enter in because of the oppression, because of the defilement of the nation. But this is all going to be removed in the fire that is coming. For every battle of the warriors with confusion and noise, you know, the, the fog of war, the confusion of battle, and all the garments are covered in blood, and this shall be as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What a scripture combination. The yoke of the burden will be brought 
broken off of the people of God in the time of war, and the instruments of war are as fuel for the fire, and unto us is the promise of a son to be born. And in the midst of the fire, the anointed ones will come forth. Isaiah 9:16. For the leaders of this people, lead them unto error, and they that are led by them are destroyed. If that is not a verse for this time, you know, we live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy truth, educators destroy knowledge, and pastors destroy faith. And apostate churches destroy people seeking the Lord. You know, the land of confusion is not just political confusion or the confusion over the identity. They are confused in every way. And the leaders of this people have led the nation to ruin. If you are following the leaders, you are headed for destruction. You need to find the truth. And the scripture says, Woe unto them who trust in the arm of the flesh. And every word of God is true. The Lord warned you not to trust in men. This is an hour where everything the men are telling you is simply not true. It's simply not true. Frank, I've been reading a book on... Um, the, it's actually a book on um, vaccination policies. And it's on literally 400 um, scientific studies that basically prove that the entire medical science is false. We've been lied to. They don't preserve health. They don't work. They're not safe. And you're more susceptible to developing even more serious diseases if you're not already injured. It's outrageous. But people trusted in the arm of the flesh. They just blindly trust. Hey, man, the institutions of Babylon told me it was safe. Right? The shaman and the, the Chaldeans, the sorcerers told me to show up. Take this mark in my hand or my forehead. Woe unto you if you listen to the counsel of men. Let the, you know, let the dead bury the dead, and let the wicked follow the shaman and the Chaldeans, but let the righteous turn to the Lord. Let the people of Zion hear from their God. And this is indeed a time to be listening to the Lord. It's also a time of fasting and prayer. It's a time to be repenting and seeking the Lord like no other. For the leaders of this city of confusion have led the people to ruin. For the wickedness of this land burns as a fire. It will devour the briars and thorns. It will mount up like the lifting of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land will be darkened, and the people shall become fuel for the fire, and no man will spare his brother. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. This is Isaiah 10. That's what you were commenting on, Frank, the recent laws that have been passed. These are unrighteous decrees. And woe unto them that enacted and voted for this evil, and that write grievous judgments which they have prescribed to turn aside the rights of the poor of my people and that make widows their prey, and that pray and rob the fatherless. Well, who, who among us are more 
poor and fatherless than the babies that are being scheduled for extermination. Their fathers have rejected them. Society prepares to slaughter them. They're helpless. They cannot defend themselves. Woe unto them who turn aside the rights of the poor and that would kill the fatherless and the innocent. Woe is coming soon. And in the day of visitation, judgment will be poured upon them. Isaiah ten sixteen. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord will send upon the fat ones a leanness of soul, and under the glory he will kindle a burning fire, and the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and the Holy One a flame, and it will burn and devour the thorns and briars in one day, consuming the glory of his forest and the fruitful field, both body and soul, and they will be as when a standard bearer faints, and the rest of the trees shall be few that a child may write them. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and those that have escaped from the house of Jacob will no more rely upon the enemies that smote them, but they will rely upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. You know, the Lord mentions that the people call upon His name, but not in truth. In that day, what day? When the fire comes, when the forests are burning, and when the unrighteous have been burned in the fire, in that day the remnant will return and will rely upon the Lord, even the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God. Though the people of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, yet only a remnant of them shall return. For the judgment which has been decreed will overflow with righteousness. Behold, the Lord of hosts shall cut off the bow of the trees with terror, and the high ones of stature will be cut down, and the haughty shall all be humbled. And he will cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon will fall like a mighty one. This is the end of Isaiah 10. The Lord is talking about cutting down the trees that represent the nations of the Goy. And then in Isaiah 11, the Lord says, Yet there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. There is a tree in Zion that is going to flourish in this time. And not only will the rod have come out of the stem of Jesse, which is Jesus coming as the descendant of David 2,000 years ago, but a branch shall also grow out of the root. And of course, the root is Jesus. As Jesus said, he's both the root and the offspring of David. Yet now a branch will grow out of the root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And He will make Him of quick understanding in the fear of God. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which is Jesus. And He will be the ensign of the people. And to Him shall the Gentiles seek. And His rest shall be glorious in the midst of the greatest upheaval in the history of the world, the greatest time of tribulation ever witnessed and by the children of men in the camp of the righteous, the rest, the peace, the shalom of the Lord will be glorious. And the people who've been appointed as the remnant, 
they shall be at peace. And the joy of the Lord shall be their strength. And it will come to pass in that day, Isaiah 11, 11, that the Lord will set his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people. The second exodus at the end of the age. And it will come to pass in that day. In what day? When the forest burns, when the nations tremble, when the city of confusion is brought down, the Lord will begin to regather the remnant of his people. And there will be a highway for the remnant. And it will be like when Israel came out of Egypt. And in verse, or chapter 12, the remnant shall say in that day, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou was angry with me, thy anger is turned away, and you have comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah has become my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. Sing unto the earth, for he has done excellent things, and this shall be known in all of the earth. Cry and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. The deliverance of the remnant shall be known in the earth. Notice the remnant exclaims in praising the Lord. They declare the Lord was angry with them, but his anger has turned away and now the Lord is comforting his remnant because they have repented and returned unto God. Now, the Lord gave me a dream about a week ago, and, and in it the people were going through the motions of repenting. And they were trying to repent, but they had not repented, and their sin remained on them. And I woke up thinking, you know, about Proverbs 30, there's a, a generation that is so high in their own eyes, they're so lifted up, and yet they're not washed from their sin. Though they are convinced they're always right, there's nothing righteous about them. They're actually, the scripture actually calls them the generation of his wrath. And having been not washed from their sin, they are living in their sin. And as Jesus said to the Pharisees, you will die in your sins. And if you die in your sin, if you live in your sin until the day that you die, then you've died in your sin. And if you die in your sins, you're not entering into the kingdom. Rather, unto you is reserved the eternal darkness. But unto the remnant, they can exclaim, Lord, you were angry with me, but your anger has turned away, and now God comforts the remnant. For they, tr they have truly repented. And so they can sing a new song before the Lord. Isaiah 13, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. The day of the Lord is at hand. Isaiah 13, 6, that's the title for the first book that I did for the Lord. Isaiah 13, 6. And in verse 19, we read, In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms and the beauty of the Chaldeans' excellency shall be as when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. It'll be burned like Sodom was burned. And it will never be inhabited again. Neither shall it be dwelt in forevermore. And so Babylon today is the glory of the Chaldean Empire. 
And we know the Chaldeans are the sorcerers. They're the, they're the deep state that has led this nation to utter ruin. And it's kind of amazing, isn't it, Frank, how we went from a good country, a relatively good country in the 1940s, when the people found out that D-Day had begun, the entire country went to church and prayed. All over the land, the churches began ringing the bells. The news was, you know, carrying the cry, pray for our men. Pray for the men in, in harm's way. They've stormed the beaches of Normandy. Your brothers, your fathers, your relatives, your neighbors, your fellow countrymen are in great peril. And so what did America do? America went to church. And in many places, the people prayed all day. Mothers, wives, sons and daughters crying out for the mercy of heaven. Today, where would they even go? Would anyone even ring the church bells today? Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Instead of the sound of the church bells, you'll hear the howling of the people, and it will no longer be inhabited again. In Isaiah 13, the Lord talks about the judgment in Babylon. But in 14, he says, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob. He will yet again choose Israel. Praise God. While he's judging Babylon, the Lord is returning to Zion with mercy. And he will set them in their own land. And it shall come to pass in that day the Lord will give them rest from their sorrow and from their fear and from the hard bondage wherein they were made to serve. The people of Israel have been in bondage. And it, that bondage continues all the way until the judgment of Babylon in Ezekiel 38. In the war of Ezekiel 38, the bondage of Israel will end. You know, and as I've mentioned in previous programs, the people would be left in captivity for 70 years. And now... Does that mean exactly 70 years? Go study the original history. Was Israel in captivity precisely 70 years? Is God, is his word fulfilled in absolute rigidity? You know, 70 years is up. God's got a stopwatch, and the, as soon as that second hand clicks over, instantly, the no. God works in times and in, in steps. In the seasons when the people were delivered in the, and returned in, from ancient Babylon, it, it was over years. Even as Israel has been gathered back to their land, it's been happening over a generation, and it's not yet complete. The remnant haven't returned to join the children of Israel. It's about to happen, children. And in that day, in the day when Babylon burns, the Lord will give his remnant rest from their sorrows. Listen, the world is going into great tribulation. And the apostate church is either going into hell, they're either going to be deceived by the Antichrist, and they're going to follow the false prophet, and they're going to worship the beast. Many of them convinced this can't be the tribulation because they haven't been raptured yet. And you all know there's going to be a preacher of rapture of the apost of the Laodicean nation. You know, how absurd of them. The Lord has a seven-year ministry in the earth. He's not finished. And the wedding feast indeed will occur, 
but all of the guests are invited. You don't think the two witnesses get to go to the wedding feast? You don't think the 144,000 are going to be part of the wedding party? Jesus is finishing his ministry on the earth. The wedding will wait until the Lord is done, until he's finished his work in the earth, and he shall make a quick work among the nations. Behold, even now it is ready to begin. But many will be deceived, having trusted in the leaders of Babylon, having followed the pastors that were actually sent among us to deceive the people, having mistaken the kundalini demons, thinking it was the anointing, many of them will be swept away in the deceptions that are coming. I don't think we can imagine the deceptions that are going to come. And they're going to be without parallel. Without parallel in, in history. Isaiah 14.4 The remnant will take up a proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how has the oppressor ceased the golden city has fallen. And in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? For he's the true king of Babylon. How art thou cut down to the ground, who weakened the nations? So now, in following the great war, following the battle of Ezekiel 38, following the burning of the, of the city of confusion, which is end-time Babylon, the daughter of Babylon, America, now, Lucifer himself has been cast down. You know, we find another witness of this in Revelation 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head a crown of twelve stars. Being with child, she cried out in travail, painting to be delivered. And behold, a great dragon, a red dragon appeared. And he was waiting to devour the child as she brought forth the man-child who would now rule the nations. The child was actually caught up unto God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she should be fed for 1260 days. And there was a war in heaven, Revelation 12, verse 7. And Michael and his angels fought the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, who deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren has been cast down, which accused him before our God. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them, and woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you with great wrath, knowing he has but a short time. And when the devil saw that he'd been cast down unto the earth, he persecuted the woman who had brought forth the man-child. And we know from Isaiah 14, the casting down of Satan occurs after the burning of Babylon. And the remnant is literally given to, to rebuke the dragon and to declare his great fall. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? This proverb will be literally spoken by the remnant. 
prepare slaughter for his children and, and for the iniquity of their fathers. They will not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I, I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will cut off from Babylon the name and the remnant and the son and the nephew, saith the Lord. The children of the Chaldeans, they will all be cut down. Isaiah 14, verse 23. And I will make it a possession for the bitter and pools of water, and I will sweep it with a broom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. As I have purposed it, so it shall be done. And this is the purpose that the Lord has purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out against all of the nations. The Lord has purposed a judgment at the end of the age, and his hand is stretched out, and it shall not be stopped. For the Lord of hosts has purposed this judgment. Who shall disannul it? Isaiah 14:27. And his hand is stretched out, and who will turn him back? What shall one say then, and answer the messengers of the nations? And here's the answer. When they ask us, well, what's the answer to the judgment of the entire earth? What do you have to say, O remnant of God? Here's what we will answer. The Lord has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall be delivered. Amen. Every other nation shall be overturned. But the Lord founded Zion, and now Zion shall be delivered with a mighty deliverance and with a strong arm. The Lord will begin the second recovery of his people, and the remnant shall be brought into great peace. It is going to be wonderful in the camp of the righteous at the same time that it is terrible in the nations of the wicked. Hallelujah. Isaiah 21, the burden of the desert of the sea, as the whirlwinds in the south pass through the nations and come from the desert, even from a terrible land, a grievous vision is declared unto me. The treacherous deal treacherously. Well, that's, turn on the news, brothers and sisters, if you want to watch the treacherous dealers deal treacherously. And the spoilers are spoiling everything, and the sighing thereof cannot cease. Therefore my loins are filled with pain. Pain has taken hold of me, the pain of a woman in travail. And I'm bowed down at the hearing of it. You know, you hear the news today, you want to throw, you don't know whether to get sick or to fall on your face weeping or screaming, start pulling out your hair. Well, actually, I would recommend putting on sackcloth and ashes and beginning to fast and pray would probably be the wisest of all responses, but, but regardless, everyone who loves righteousness, their hearts are in dismay right now. We're dismayed at the seeing of what's happening in the city of confusion. The night of pleasure is turned into fear. And the Lord said unto me, Go as a watchman and declare what you see. And he saw a chariot and four horsemen coming, a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed, and he cried out, A lion, my lord! I see a beast with the head of a lion, the body of a leopard, and the feet of a bear. 
but the eagle's wings have been plucked thereon. I stand continually upon my watchtower in the day, and I, I stand in my ward throughout the night. Behold, there comes a chariot of men and a couple of horsemen. And he answered me, and the Lord said, Babylon is fallen. It is fallen. In all of her graven images of her gods, I have crushed onto the ground. Isaiah 22. The burden of the valley of vision. What ails thee now that thou art wholly gone up into the housetops? Thou that art full of stirs, what stirring, ailing thing has come upon the tumultuous city? All thy rulers have fled together. They are bound by the archers. They that are found in thee are bound together. They've all been taken into captivity now. Therefore said I, look away from me. I'm going to weep bitterly. Try to comfort me. Because of the, the spoiling of the daughter of my people. For the day of trouble and of treading down and of perplexity from the Lord of hosts. And the breaking down of walls and the crying to the mountains has come upon this land. And in this day, the Lord of hosts called the people to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to sackcloth and to ashes and to fasting and prayer and to solemn assemblies. And yet as the Lord looks down from heaven, he beholds joy and gladness in the land, slaying of oxen and the killing of sheep and the eating of food and the drinking of wine and in the hearts of the people, they reason, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. And it was revealed to me in my ears by the Lord that the Lord spoke unto these people, saying, Surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you until the day you die, saith the Lord God of hosts. And isn't that an amazing scripture? These are people who will not be forgiven until the day they die. Yet they shall be forgiven when they die. These are God's people who have so offended the Lord, He's turned them over to, their, to the pleasures of their flesh. He's turned them over to their joy of, of eating oxen and drinking wine and rejoicing in the pleasures of Babylon. And they refused God's call to weeping and mourning. They refused the call to repentance. They refused the call to sackcloth and ashes. They refused the call to the solemn assemblies. Rather, they wanted to stay and rejoice with Babylon, and they, they will not be forgiven this rebellion against the commandments of heaven until the day they die, and they will be cleansed through the fire. And the Lord has purposed this, to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all of the honorable of the earth. And I think of the the Academy Awards and you know all of these great institutions with all their great men and, and on all all of the honorable this and the glory of that and all of the great men that have lifted themselves up and the Lord has purposed to bring them all into contempt. They will all all of their pride will be crushed to the ground. And the Lord's had enough of it. In all their greatness and all their glory, all they brought forth is tohu and bohu, worthlessness and vanity, death and destruction, deception, disorder and chaos. 
Isaiah 24. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty. In the Hebrew, it reads, the Lord has emptied the earth. A, a global reset is coming. God's going to do an adjustment. It's like he's going to hit the keyboard, control, alt, delete. And the whole thing's going to go black. Boom. And then when he reboots it, it's going to be empty. Everything that was in current memory will be erased. We're going to start over and enter the judgment day of God. The earth will be made empty, and it will be made waste. And the Lord will turn it upside down. Literally, a pole shift is coming, and he will scatter the inhabitants abroad. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. And as the servant, so the master. As with the maid, so the mistress. The buyer, the seller, lender, borrower. All of them shall be turned to the judgment. And the land will be utterly emptied and utterly plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth, the earth will mourn and fade away. The world will languish and wither away. And the haughty people of the earth will perish. For the earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. The land has been defiled. The sins, the blood of the innocent, and the sins that have been poured out on the land have defiled the land. The curse devouring our nation. The fires breaking out everywhere. The curse is devouring every institution. And the sins are being disclosed. How many, how many in the Catholic Church are under the spirit of perversion to, to do the wicked things that they do? How many in our own institutions, the same evil? The sins of the earth are being disclosed. The land utterly emptied, the earth defiled. The people have transgressed God's commandments. They've, they've transgressed the word of God. They've even changed his word. And they've broke the everlasting covenant. I would alert all you guys, Doug Woodward has written a really great book that just came out, Rebooting the Bible. And he goes through the historical evidence how the Jewish rabbis following the death and resurrection of our Lord in the period of time from about 100 to 150 A.D. in trying to stop the growth of the new Jewish sect known as Christianity, which was growing at an amazing rate, they actually went back and they changed the Word of God. They deleted and changed dozens of messianic prophecies to try to hide the fact that the scripture testified very clearly that Jesus is Messiah. And they did it in what is now known as the Masoretic Text. And the Masoretic Text is the text that's in your King James Bible in the Old Testament. And it differs from the Septuagint, which was written 300, 400 years earlier, in the city of Alexandria, 
by Jewish scholars that tried to get it right. And when the New Testament was written by the apostles and by the writers of the New Testament, they didn't have the Masoretic text. It didn't exist yet. They had the Septuagint. So the quotes that are in your New Testament, where the author has quoted the original verse in the Old Testament, those quotes are from the Septuagint. You go look some of those verses up in, in the Old Testament, you'll find the actual verse in your Old Testament Bible is the Masoretic version, the version that changed. And It's a fascinating book on how they, they try to cover up or hide the, the deity and the messiahship of Jesus Christ. Woe unto those men. And so, literally, they fulfilled this prophecy in, in Isaiah that they would change the Word of God. They transgressed the Word, they changed the Word, and, and they've also broken the everlasting covenant. And in the everlasting covenant of the new covenant is the covenant of salvation by faith, but also by repentance. And so, this covenant of repentance has been broken and, and replaced by a covenant of of apostasy, where the people believe in Jesus, and they honor him with their lips, they go forward and they repeat the little prayers, and yet they go back to their sin, having never been born again. And the false teachers that have come in this final hour to deceive the many, they told the people, you're fine, continue in your sin, we're all going to live in our sin, and nobody's going to enter in until we go up in the great by and by. Oh, by the way, did I mention we're all going to disappear any day now? And so a generation of people has never been washed from their sin, and they trusted in their leaders, who the Scripture warned us, led them to destruction. They literally led them onto the wide road that ends in hell. And yet, I guess their salvation wasn't important enough for them to you know, search it out themselves. They relied on the teachings of other men. And they ended in ruin. Therefore the curse devours the earth. Isaiah 24, 6. That's what we're witnessing right now, you guys. You're watching the curse like a cancer. It's just growing and it's devouring the entire earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate. I mean, the ruin of humanity is just becoming it's obvious. And the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And there will be only a few men left. Okay, that hasn't quite yet been fulfilled, but soon. And the city of confusion will be broken down. The city of Babylon, the daughter of Babylon, will be broken down as the eagle's wings are plucked. End-time Babylon will be thrown to the ground, and every house will be shut up that no man may enter in. And they'll be crying in the streets, and all joy will be darkened, and myrrh will be gone from the land. In the Hebrew, that verse, which is Isaiah 24, 11, that verse, I think, would read more clearly, he has turned their joy into darkness. And the Lord has banished gladness from the earth. God banished it. And the city will be left in desolation. And the gates 
broken down with destruction. And thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, and there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage or the harvest is done. They'll be shaking the olive trees, trying to shake loose every grape. But when the shaking, when the harvest is done, there'll be one or two berries on the outermost bow and a handful at the very top of the tree. And that is the remnant. And in verse 14, Isaiah 24, 14, the scripture shifts from the descriptions of the judgment on the city of confusion to now the experience in the camp of the remnant. And the prophet testifies, they shall lift up their voice and sing. Joy has been turned to darkness. Gladness has been banished from the earth. But in the camp of the righteous, the remnant will lift their voices and sing for the majesty of the Lord. And they will cry aloud from the sea. They'll literally be singing on the cargo ships that are taking the remnant home. And as the remnant is moving across the great oceans, they'll be singing from the seas of the earth. And they will glorify the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord from the isles of the sea and from the uttermost part of the earth. You'll hear songs, even the glory of the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. For the treacherous dealers dealt very treacherously. Yeah, they got a new green deal for you, too. Very treacherously. Fear in the pit and the snare. They're coming upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that those who flee from the noise of the fear of what is coming upon the earth shall all fall into the pit. And those that come up out of the pit will be taken in the snare. For the windows on high have been opened, and the foundation of the earth do shake. You know, the Lord shook the little foundation of my little prayer loft today, and all the snow fell on the earth. I, I thought, it was so loud, I thought an airplane might have crashed in my front yard. The foundation of the earth is going to shake. The city of confusion is going to crash. The sound of great destruction will be in the land. And the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard, and it shall be removed, and the transgression thereof is heavy. It shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the ones that were on high and the kings of the earth. And they'll be gathered together as prisoners gathered in the pit, and they'll be shut up in the prison. After many days they shall be visited. And then the moon will be confounded, and the sun will be ashamed. For the Lord shall step forth on the mountains, and he will begin his reign in Mount Zion. And he will rule in Jerusalem before his ancients gloriously. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your righteousness, for your word of truth. I pray, Lord, that your people would go back and study your word the words of your holy prophets, Lord, that it would prick our hearts, that it would call many to a season of prayer and fasting, that their hearts would be made ready for the city of confusion is about to be undone. And Lord, I thank you for, for the privilege of speaking and teaching your word. Lord, 
May your people be blessed and fed, and may your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Brother Benjamin. Uh, the city of confusion. <laughs> Boy, have I, we, I think we've made ancient Babylon seem sane compared to modern-day Babylon. The confusion here is out of control. Folks, 17 different genders, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, Benjamin, now they're saying there's over 100 different genders I've heard lately. And it's we don't even know who we are. We're confused. The children are confused. And it's um, it's just disgusting. You're right. You can be whatever you want. I was at a restaurant the other day, and I, this is literally true. I walked in, a friend of mine, and these two ladies up front, uh, she said, uh, she will go and set you down. And I looked over, and I was like, she? I was like, that's a man. Well, he began to speak, and then I understood why they were calling him a she. And then I went over, and we sat down, and then our attendant came over, was gay, that served us. And I'm thinking to myself, is this whole entire restaurant staff either transgender or homosexual? I mean, just it's – and this is – I live in a place that's very conservative, I didn't even, I mean, I'm just blown away. This is the land we live in. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah would blush, I believe, at what's going on in the United States of America today. The city of confusion is alive, and it's about to crumble. It's about to crumble. It is, brother. It is. Brother Benjamin, thank you so much. You know, your part about prayer and fasting, that's something we've got to come back to again. It's been a while. Um, I'm telling you. You got it, Frank. You got it. I actually, um, I was doing a little, you know, channel surfing Christian TV. Um, not that I watched Christian TV, but it had been years, really. And for some reason, I felt like I just want to see what they're teaching the people. And like, there's 20 Christian cable networks now, or something. I mean, there's a lot of them, and and so I've been doing a little bit of channel surfing, and to see, you know, all the... You want to talk about the city of confusion. It's a church of confusion if you go scroll around in Christian TV. But every now and then you, you, you find some program where it's like, wow, you know, somebody who actually knows the Lord is is on TV talking, you know, which is great. And um, I caught one program where I could just bear witness and, and, you know, that the Spirit of God was literally on, you know, had had a word on this television media and the person began to speak and said, you know, the Lord has made it very clear that there are issues when you're in a battle for your life, there are issues that can only be overcome with prayer and fasting. This kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. And so if you are facing the issues that are the biggest issues of your life, you should consider praying and fasting. And I thought, huh, that's a right on word for a for a generation that'll probably ignore it. But the next morning, I got an email from uh, one of the people in the prayer army, and they said, you know, a dear friend of mine had just heard from the Lord, and the Lord told him to enter into a time of prayer and fasting because this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what I heard last night, and here it's being repeated today. And so later that day, Frank, I went into my prayer loft, and 
And um, I was asking the Lord, you know, what part of Scripture should I study today? And I literally opened to the book of Esther, and to where Esther was telling the people, pray, fast and pray for me for three days, and I'll fast too, because I'm going to go in to see if I can intervene, because we've all been scheduled for execution. And maybe I'll prevail, and maybe Israel will be delivered. And, you know, and Frank, that fast of Esther occurred in the month of Adar, which, you know, is the season that we're in. And I thought, wow, you know, here I get, the, you know, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. I get that on, the night before on TV, and then I get it the, the same exact scripture verse sent to me first thing in the morning. I go in my prayer loft, and I'm opening up to the fast of Esther, and then I go back in my office, and I get an email from one of the members of the prayer team whose name is Esther, basically confirming the entire message. So, um, you know, and I, I know that our power is in prayer and fasting. In we are up against the biggest onslaught in history. So, you know, to the extent that people are capable of fasting and praying, now would be a good time. And by now, I mean over the next few weeks, as we enter into, you know, the beginning of the new year. Because this new year that's coming is going to really change things. And for the most part, we're not yet ready. But we need to be, and we can be, if we're willing to follow the admonitions of the Lord. So, hallelujah. Amen. Frank, it's always a blessing to be here. Hey, man, God bless you, brother. Thank you for coming on. Folks, this is, hey, listen, it's true. Prayer and fasting. It's it's not that you are going to force God's hand. What you're doing is prayer and fasting, especially you're just saying, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need more of you. That's what fasting, it says, Lord, I need you. I'm willing to depart from food so I can feast on you, Lord. And, and well, um, it does something metabolically in us yeah it turns amen. off the flesh and, amen. and as the flesh is put down the spirit man rises up Absolutely. and you know we were told to pick up our cross to deny ourselves, and to follow him and jesus you know when confronted by the pharisees why aren't your disciples fasting he said you know when the bridegroom's with them they can't but when the bridegroom is removed, my true disciples will all fast and pray. That's really one of the marks of a disciple of the Lord compared to the wannabes. The disciples are people that have fasted and prayed as part of their walk with the Lord. And, you know, there are people out there, Frank, that have never fasted. I mean, you know, for even one day, hard to believe, but there's a lot of people in Christian churches that simply, I don't know, they just miss that part, you know, of the instructions. Or they just simply forgot about it because, yeah, it is a little bit of a, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. You know, your tummy gets a little hungry. It's not, you get a little tired. I and mean, it's not anything that difficult. But some people's idea of fasting, Benjamin, is, is skipping their favorite, you know, Saturday night or whatever, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, sitcom, you know, turn the TV off for an evening. 
that's their fast. <laughs> and hey, man, wisdom is justified by our children. Yeah, you know, we'll see how long they last and what's about to happen. This is a life and death issue here. If you're not counted among the remnant, then you're going to be headed to the repentance rehabilitation workshop. And personally, I wouldn't want to attend. You know, don't send me an invitation. I don't plan on going. But a lot of people are going to be going. And you know what? If that's what it takes, you know, if, if that's what it took to to save you, be glad God did it. Because the alternative is hell for eternity. And believe me, that's way worse than going to the the repentance workshop. Because the workshop doesn't last very long. And... Um, once you repent, yeah. the Lord's right there to comfort his people. So we serve a good God. But, That's you know, right. the Lord's not joking around, Frank. You know what I'm talking no. about? And, and he needs He's us really to be serious. Yeah. God wants us to be effective in his kingdom. And meaning he's got work for us to do. He's got a mission for us to do. And we got to hear clearly in this hour and fasting and prayer that's just a, it basically just knocks the cobwebs of babylon out of the brain and the spirit and just opens up a clear channel back to the kingdom amen so you can get direct instructions from on high well you know the other thing is god's going to use the remnant he's going to do a work in the remnant that has never been done before you know even as in the first coming the lord literally brought forth the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was available to the entire church that had been born again under the New Covenant. They were all getting filled with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't something available to the average Israelite under the Old Covenant. But the baptism of the Spirit is available in the New Covenant. Well, there is something new coming under the ministry of Jesus Christ at the end of the age in the camp of the remnant, and it's the anointing without measure brother. That's why it says his peace will be glorious. This anointing that is coming upon the remnant has not been seen in the church. And Frank, it is in addition to the anointing without measure, the people in the remnant are going to get to witness his glory in this realm. As the Lord comes in ways we can't even imagine. But you know, the apostate church, the, the, the compromised church, the church that so disrespected the Lord that they offended him, he's not going to let them see it. They're bound up in their sin, and if they really belong to him, they're going to be purged through the fire. But they're not going to be part of the, of the remnant. They're going to be among the dead in Christ that rise first on the last day. And, um, you know, for those who are hearing my voice, we really want to be in the remnant. You really want to be part of the first fruit. And you know one thing that's really cool, Frank? You know how the remnant's all going to get regathered right into the, into the place in the wilderness prepared for the, for the church? And we're going to wait. You know, the final three and a half years, the remnant's going to be in uh, the sanctuary of uh, Petra and Edom and Moab. It's going to be awesome, too, because the tabernacle is going to be there. and I mean, We're going to see the Shekinah glory of God. And, 
You know what else is like really, really I'm looking forward to? The Lord's going to like come down and disguise himself. How do I know this? He told me, okay? You know, you don't have to believe me. Well, fine, whatever. But, you know, pray about it. See if God will confirm it for you. But, but he told me he's going to come and visit in the camp. Just like on the road to Emmaus where the disciples were talking with him, but they didn't recognize that it was the Lord. You know, how fun will that be? The Lord's going to be, like, sneaking around. He can't wait to come see the remnant, so he's going to come down and, you know, talk to us. We won't even know it was him. He, he did that when that they were in the happen, wilderness. Frank? Yeah, he, Pardon me? he did it in the wilderness, yeah. He did do it in the wilderness, didn't he? He walked among the people. And they didn't know he was there. Yeah. They didn't recognize it was him. Just like on the road to Emmaus. I was at dinner once um, when I went on tour for the book, and and I was at, a, you know, some people had taken me out to, you know, coffee. They wanted to talk to me afterwards. And, and I'm sitting at a table with about seven or eight people, and there was a brother there. And Frank, his his countenance was so lit with the glory of God. I mean, I could literally see light coming off this guy. And at one point I thought, could could this be the king? Could he be sitting here with us? And did, did he disguise himself? And I'll, I'm going to go under the table. <laughs> it's the Lord. But then I thought, no, no, this isn't the Lord. Just somebody so full of the Holy Spirit. His face is glowing. But uh, the Lord's going to visit the camp of the righteous. And every one of them is going to get delivered. And, you know, and it's going to comfort us. You know, those of us that that have had to see and understand these things and have had to carry the burden of this message and, and to deal with the mockery of, of the scoffers, too, you know? Look, whether you want to believe it or not, I'm just going to tell you the truth, because that's my job. The church is in captivity as much as the people of Israel are in captivity. The church in America is in captivity to their sin. The people of God are under the bondage of sin. They are now walking in freedom. And that's why there are so many false teachings and so many false teachers and so many deceptions and false doctrines embraced by the people. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, the people don't have the truth. They got the lie buried deep inside. They've denied their own sin. They've covered it up. You know, people have not dealt with issues of unforgiveness. They they are in bondage to various things, and and Christians can be in bondage. If the truth will set you free, what was your condition before you were free? You were in slavery. Yeah. How are the American people in slavery? This is supposedly the land of the free, yet it's a nation in slavery to its sin, and to the lies that we've all chosen to believe. And, and only a remnant of people are going to come out of the deception. And it's the fasting that empowers that to happen. You know, and we all, none of us enjoy fasting, but it's a commandment of the disciples of the Lord. And we were commanded. God didn't say, hey, you know, um, you know, you might consider fasting. No. He said, go read the book of Joel to the generation of people that are witnessing these things coming to pass. Declare a fast. Gather together in a solemn assembly. 
But you know, Frank, there's a lot of voices out there, you know, teaching a lot of different things. I don't hear too many calling the people to prayer and fasting. Yeah, and and that's that's new covenant commandment. When Jesus was taken away, he said, when he's taken away, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they shall fast. And not if they feel like it, but they shall fast. And, it's the uh, only way to make spiritual progress in the war that we're in, to make real progress to get real breakthroughs. And, you know, look, fasting is hard. I mean, you know, if you've never done it, don't be discouraged. Just try, you know. Pray and ask the Lord. And, you know, get the book by Dr. Joel Furman, um, Fasting for Health. His name is Furman, A-F-U-H-R-M-A-N, Dr. Joel Furman fasting um, and eating for health. He goes through all the science on how fasting will detoxify your body. As you begin to fast, the poisons come out of you. And as the poisons come out of you, your brain gets clear. And as your brain gets clear, you can hear the Lord easier. Why do you think Satan put all the poison in the food in the first place? To make the slave population more easily controllable. Okay, if you're going to be set free and you're going to come out of Satan's slavery, God needs to sanctify your vessel, your temple. Part of that process is to stop touching the unclean things, stop putting the poisoned food in your body, stop drinking the poisoned alcohol, stop putting poisons in, but also the fasting cleanses you, it denies the flesh, it empowers your spirit, and it detoxifies your temple so that you have a clear mind that can then understand clearly the things of the Spirit and the things of God. And it's absolutely mandatory. And today it is very hard to do. And so if you start fasting and you find that you failed, don't give up. Begin again. You know, I've fasted a number of times. I've also had fasts where I didn't make it more than a day or maybe even didn't make an entire day. But I was determined to continue to fast and pray. And so I didn't let that discourage me. Begin again. And, you know, if you're going to seriously fast for more than one day, you need to look into ways to detoxify your system. You need to eat extremely healthy the days before you begin the fast. What do I mean by that? Eating a lot of vegetables, green vegetables, and, like, you, you make yourself a salad with spinach and mixed vegetables and bell peppers and all kinds of, you know, sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and avocado and tomatoes and, you know, cut up onions and all of it together. And maybe a baked potato. And, you know, you eat extremely healthy for a few days. You don't go out and have a pizza the night before you begin your fast. And you should also be doing something of a ball tone or fiber regulators or, you know, something to make sure your whole system is cleansed so you don't poison yourself and go into autotox, toxic shock disorder, which can happen. You know, I've done, I think there's a fair amount of research on the Internet, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about, do some homework. But, you guys, we are looking at the finish line soon. Now, I know... 
For some of us, it's been a long wait. I've been preaching this message for 22, 22 and a half years. Come the fall of this year, it'll be 23 years for me. And, you know, I find it ironic that Jeremiah and Baruch, the scribe, they preached for 23 years and then the judgment came. I was shown the persecution of the church in the fall of 96. The fall of 2019 will be 23 years. It's my opinion, for whatever it's worth, we're going to see the persecution beginning later this year. And the Great War is likely in the fall of 2020. The world's about to change. We need to be fasted and prayed up going into it. Once this thing starts, you know, it's not going to be as easy to set aside some time to fast and pray. You're going to be in it. And, you know, for better or for worse, you're going to live it. And it's serious what's coming. Yeah. Anyway, I, I hope tonight's reading of uh, the scriptures of Isaiah was a blessing Amen. to all of you. And, and I hope you be encouraged, you know, uh, if you're hearing my words, you know, God's reaching out to a people he's calling into his remnant. Be the people that answer him. Amen. Don't just hear the warning. Be the people that respond. If not for your own sake, do it for the babies. Do it for your own children and your grandchildren that can't respond on their own. Stand in the gap for them. Because you know, the Lord is coming soon. And um, You know, we don't want to be embarrassed when we meet him. Right? I mean, every one of us, you know, it's our heart's desire that when we finally stand before the Lord, He's going to get a big smile on His face, and you're going to hear, well done. I know it was hard on you at the beginning, but you finished well. Good job, faithful servant. I mean, uh, that's what every one of us is longing to hear. And we, that should be the desire of our hearts. But you know what? Hope is not a strategy. We need to come up with a game plan to ensure that outcome. And part of that plan is to sit down, get your calendar out, open your outlook, get together with your friends, your family, whatever, your men's group, whatever, small group of believers that you are close enough to, and plan for a solemn assembly. Plan a weekend where everyone will gather in fasting and prayer and get together and confess your sins one to another and pray for one another and watch what happens when you gather together in the name of the Lord in obedience to His Word, seeking His face in the best way you know how. Watch what heaven does in response. You will be, you're going to be rejoicing the things God will do for you if we will but honor and obey his word in this hour. And God bless all Amen. you guys. Amen. God Amen. bless each one of you. Thanks, Brother Benjamin, for sharing that. Folks, take this seriously. It will clear your mind. It will help. Fasting is just such, I can't even tell you. That's why in Isaiah 58, he, he, the Lord's angry, he says, because he tells the people, he said, you fast for strife and debate. They, they knew that fasting alone, without even a spiritual side, literally clean, cleanses the mind. And Jesus, like, the Lord's like, you know what, you're fasting just for strife and debate, because there's a health benefit. But there's a spiritual benefit that's even greater. And when you fast the way the Lord wants you to, not to smite your brother or to show how smart you are, but to humble yourself before the Lord. If you humble yourself before him, 
He's the one who will raise you up. And that's a wonderful thing. So God bless each one of you. Uh, Brother Benjamin, God bless you. And we will see you again here on The Remnant Call. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin Brook at The Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. <laughs>